0: Welcome to my public life as an American nerd. I am your host, David K Montoya. All right, gang, we are back and we are doing another Friday. It is almost a weekend, and it has been a week. Now, I'm sure, as you can hear in my voice, I'm chippery, I'm I'm perky, I'm I'm good. Um, and and there was uh, a couple, one, two of you that actually listened to the show and said, "Hey, you don't sound good," and and sent me an email or text message uh instant message dm whatever it was uh much appreciation to you yes i was i was i was very depressed and it's just something that is a, a personal battle that i have to endure it's it, uh, now i'm not one that is depressed it's just not my my personality but just current situations living situations and things that are going on behind the scenes kind of got me down kind of got me sad um i want to do a big shout out to my sister rebecca illich she's actually came from las vegas this week and spent the entire week called off from work and um she's taking care of the kids essentially while i can you know have an opportunity to to kind of regroup and be by myself and 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 pull myself back together which you can hear in my voice i feel good and um you know this, what was it, Sunday, actually, Sunday, I went to the movies for the first time by myself and seen a double feature in, like, over a decade, maybe. Um, really enjoyed myself. Didn't get home until, like, 1.30 in the morning. I just, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, if you've not seen this, uh, I'll try, well skip ahead um, because there is some things that I want to talk about with these, these two movies that I've seen. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and do that. So spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you've not seen knives out or Dr. Sleep, skip ahead because I'm going to talk about them because they're amazing shows. They, they were absolutely amazing. They were good movies and I enjoyed it. And it, Lately, for me, again, I don't know if it's just because of the mindset I've been in lately. I've just have not been enjoying movies, but these two I did. And now I've always been a a fan of murder mysteries. I've, I've, you know, Clue was always something that I I gravitated towards. You know, whenever I've got into home video collecting. Uh, whether it be you know VHS or DVD or now Blu-ray, you know I I like the comedy behind the whodunits and and that is what uh, Knives Out is. Knives Out is pretty much a, a comedic It, but it was really good because it, it knocks you on your butt. And what it is is essentially the writer. This writer he celebrates his 85th birthday, and he's murdered. Someone slit his throat, but there's way more to it. And okay, here we go. Spoilers. I'm, I'm diving into the story. Here we go. Last chance. Turn back in three, two, one. Here we go. So everybody thinks that the writer, the 85-year-old millionaire, he killed himself and... The, for some reason, um, the the guy who plays the new 007—I can't think of his name off the top of my head—he was hired, and I love his like whatever the hell accent <laughs> he was rocking. I don't know, but it was just hysterical. And um, somebody hired him. He didn't even know who hired him to to find out if he was actually murdered or did the The author, the writer, the 85 year old, really killed himself. So as you're going through the movie, and then about halfway through the movie, the plot twist. There's two plot twists, and that's why I like this movie so much. Because the first plot twist is is that this um, his nurse, his living nurse, essentially. Well, it wasn't she wasn't living? She she spent like. Sixteen hours a day with him, and then would go home to her illegal immigrant mother. Legitimately, that's that's part of the story. And um, what it happens is is that you find out that she accidentally gives him like a hundred milligrams of morphine instead of I, I think a blood thinner. I, I can't remember what what the the and the other, you know, injection was it's because it's an IV push, which was interesting because he had a portacath on his arm. Anyway, um, so he's like, okay, don't worry. This is what you're gonna do. This is how you're gonna do it, and everything will be all right. If it's true, if you know, if you overdose me, um, I'll take care of things. You know, blah blah blah. And he tells her step by step, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to park out of out of the camera view, and then you're going to come back and you're going to climb up, and you're going to you're going to take all these different steps to make it look like a suicide. And she does. And as she walks out the door, and then she turns around and comes back in, you see the author on it on his 85th birthday. By the way, um, he slits his own throat. Because he's trying to save the the nurse, because the nurse was essentially his only friend. So now it is that the plot changes to that the nurse is trying to get all you know to not get arrested, and somebody figures out that she's done it, and it, it gets really chaotic, even to the point where like at the will reading, she inherits. Everything he did not give um, none of his children, his grandchildren, anything, but gave it all to the nurse. And so in comes Chris Evans, Captain America, which is great. I mean, just like seeing him outside of a, a Marvel role was really fun and entertaining to watch. And she breaks down. I mean, of course, you know he's he's got that that charm. He's Chris Evans, you know. So. Um she she tells him she spills the beans, the whole thing, right? And he's like, Okay, you know, this is great because I don't want my mom or my dad or my aunts and uncles or any of those people to have any money. So I'm gonna help you, but you you give me my part of the inheritance for helping you. And she's like, Okay, whatever, that's cool. So there there's a whole setup of, of everything and then she gets this letter, and the letter is a a, a photocopy of the, the toxicology report. And it says, you know, meet her at such and such place. And she's like, okay, I'm busted. Okay. So she goes and she finds the housekeeper. And the housekeeper's sitting in this old abandoned laundromat, and she's like, out of it, right? And as she walks up to her, she just drops dead, essentially. And she decided that uh, – the nurse decided that despite everything else, you know, her mom could be deported and she's going to go to jail. And because she she's going to be blamed for murder, she's going to lose the inheritance. And – but that didn't matter because she's a nurse and life matters, which is a really great message to to put out there, you know. Uh, we we have all these different lives matter, life matters, period, and and that's what the theme of this is. And I really dig that. So anyway, she does CPR, and they call nine one one, and in the process of all this, Chris Evans is arrested, right? And you're thinking, oh. Is she really going to let him you know just oh wait 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 back up back up back up back up So they go and they go to the to see you know if they can get a copy of the toxicology report but the the place the only place that has the toxicology report is on fire right so you're like okay so at this point, now you're, you're wondering, okay, who's doing all this? So now the um, – oh, what is his name? I can't think of his name. He's, he's the new James Bond, and I can't think of his name. Okay, I admit, I just went and checked. Daniel Craig, that's his name. I couldn't think of it. So anyway, Daniel Craig, he's the investigator, private investigator. that was hired by somebody. He doesn't even know. He's standing there in front of the burning building. He turns around, and he sees uh, Chris Evans and the nurse sitting in his car, and they just – it turns into like a a full-on pursuit with the cops, and they're running, right? So they get pulled over eventually after a a lengthy pursuit. And you're thinking, okay, well, they're gonna arrest the the nurse. But what actually happens is is that Chris Evans is arrested, and then you're thinking, well, is she gonna let him take the role for this? I mean, is he is he that cool of a person that um, you know he's he's going to you know take take the rap for it? So then we jump ahead, okay, and we're back at the the estate. And by then, the nurse tells the uh, Daniel Craig, the private investigator, about the whole thing. She just came clean. And then they're back at the estate, and she's getting ready to to say you know i did it i forfeit the fortune i'm i'm you know i'm gonna go to jail whatever then all of a sudden daniel craig jumps in and says she is not renouncing anything she's keeping the money good day pulls her to side whatever so at this point the family's like what's going on and then the last twist and it's like okay the Daniel Craig, the investigator, is like, "It wasn't you. It's not your fault." Telling the nurse, and she's like, "Why?" And she's and he looks at uh, Chris Evans, who's sitting there. He's smug. He's very smug and arrogant. And he's like, "Well, you did not really poison or overdose the the author, your friend, the caretaker, or the you know the person that you take care of." And she's like, how do you know that? And he's like, well, because I had set these vials out and I covered them, right? And I asked you to pick up the morphine. And you picked up the morphine without picking, you know, without even looking at the the label. And how did you do that? And she's like, I don't know. And, and he's like, because, you know, morphine has a thicker consistency. It feels it's a little bit heavier. It's different bottle. You don't, you know, it just you know, you're a good nurse, blah, blah, blah. So what you find out is that during the birthday party, you know, he uh, – the author, he he had an argument with all of them, all of his kids and his grandkids. He had – well, he has two grandkids, but the other one, they called him uh, a Nazi conservative, blah, blah, blah. I don't even want to get into that part. But anyway, um, so the main grandkid is Chris Evans. They got into it because – um, he he essentially he was cutting everybody. He cut everybody from the wheel because they all took him for a, a granted an advantage because of his money. So what he did, Chris Evans, is he actually went back. Uh, after he stormed out, he went back and he switched the labels on the um the containers, the medic medicine containers, and. Though it said that she gave him morphine, in reality, it wasn't. And therefore, it was, uh, you know, he, he did actually commit suicide. And in the beginning, when all this happened, you know, the nurse was like, let me call 911. We'll get it taken care of. And Daniel Craig, the investigator, was saying, well, you know, if he had actually waited 15 minutes... He would still be alive, but he killed himself. It was suicide. But the trick is remember the housekeeper, the one that was uh sitting there drugged, and and well, anyway, he drugged her, and he's like, Yeah, you know, uh, she lived well with that. The nurse said that she had lived, that you know, they had called and she was going to survive and he's like yeah well what's going to happen at most you know attempted murder you know i get a couple you know months in jail whatever and i'll be i have great lawyers i can afford it blah 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 and i'm out well you find out that the nurse lied the housekeeper actually had died and chris evans admitted to murder so they they took him away And one of the great shots of the movie was the ending shot and she's standing on the balcony. She's wrapped in a blanket and she's sipping on tea and she looks down at the family. and The family are looking up at her, you know, angrily because she got everything because she did it out of the kindness of her heart and not for the greed of money. And that pretty much is the moral of the story. And and it was just, and that was a great ending. It faded black. It was really fun to watch and I really enjoyed it. It was just, it was really, it was one of those, it was just a good movie. And I, you know, there of course was some political jabs in there. That's fine. Um, but, for the most part, it, nothing was shoved down your throat or smashed in your face, you know, as far as agenda-wise. And it was just really, really good, and I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the likelihood of me getting this movie when it comes out on Blu-ray is very high. And it's it's just something good. So, it, it had ended, it was like, uh was a little over two hours, and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I was just enjoying myself. So I I called my sister, Rebecca, you know, because she was watching the kids. And I was like, can I, do you mind if I watch one more movie? And she's like, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So I I ended up getting the, the, like the 1020, which was like the last showing in my area of Dr. Sleep. And now I own The Shining and I've watched The Shining plenty of times and I I have the book, The Shining. But I I honestly, I've never even heard of Dr. Sleep, the book. So I went into it, and and I I may purchase it to to see. I don't know, though, because I really like that movie, too. So normally, you know, the book is better than the movie, especially Stephen King stuff. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go that avenue. But anyway it picks up where Danny is, uh, he's a grown man and he's by himself. You find out that his mom has died and, you know, he's still living with all these things that he's experienced and these special abilities that he has. And since we're at the 17 minutes, I'm going to give you the, the condensed version of this story. And, and, uh, because I still have the regular things that I want to talk about too, and uh, so he he's using alcohol to to drown out the special abilities that he has, and then um, something just made him decide because you know it showed him sleeping with this one chick and they're doing coke and drinking beers, and he wakes up and and realizes that, you know, he has no money because he blew it on cocaine with the, the chick and he was getting ready to take her money and, and, and balance essentially. But then a little boy, I think it was a little boy, you know, uh, in a saggy diaper, very unkept and it broke my heart to see that, um, you know, came out of a room and he's like, you know, he couldn't do it. He, he just couldn't do it. So we jump to the little girl. Uh, the the other little girl, the special abilities, and how she she has essentially you know like a tele telepathic telekinesis power. Anyway, within that introduction, then we jump back to Danny, and Danny, for some odd reason, he doesn't know even he doesn't even know why he decides to pack up and move to a smaller place, and he decides that he's gonna you know pull his put his life back together you know get back on track and and in that process he rents a room and the room was originally uh, rented by a mathematician so he had turned part of the wall into uh, a blackboard so every morning he would wake up and there would be you know hello on on the blackboard and what you find out is it's it's pretty much his like it's the little girl. They have like a psychic pin pal thing going on. And they they develop a, a pin pal relationship to the point where, you know, she calls him Uncle Danny or Uncle Dan, which I thought was adorable. Now, in comes the, the antagonist. The antagonist is this thing, and she's just uh, – I, I don't know what she is because she's – from what I understand, she's been alive for many, 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 many centuries, and how they they feed off of the, the the gifts of these special people, and how they do it is is if they're scared or in pain, their their power somehow is increased, and they kill these people specifically, usually children, because they're they're more pure and, and stronger in energy. They kill these people and they take their their essence their their power um their shine and that makes them strong and it makes them more powerful well they they come across the little girl and the little girl is just so powerful that it, it knocks uh Rose Hat or Hat Rose um who's the main antagonist uh what is her name um Rebecca Ferguson that's her name it took me a minute there to process Rebecca Ferguson uh, is Rose the Hat and they, they kind of have a, a psychic duel and she finds out quickly how strong the little girl is. And, um, Abra, her name is Abra. And, um, so they, they go after her and they, they go to her house and they kill the dad. They kidnap the girl. I, I'm, I'm really shortening this down. Because the movie is like over two hours long, and um, so what it happens is is that Danny telepathically saves her, and there's only one left out of the bunch, and it's Rose the Hat, and Rose is going to come after her no matter what because of how you know how strong Ebra is. It could literally. M- make her immortal is, is pretty much you know what they gave the the idea of how strong she was and danny was like well there's only one place that we need you know the the the, the hotel the original grand hotel from the shining um you know we'll feed on that and it'll help capture her in this battle which is true it that's it, what happens they end up Back at the hotel, one of my favorite parts of the movie was he's like, I got to go wake it up. And he literally walks through this old, decrepit hotel. And as he's walking through, because of his own psychic power and his abilities, you see the lights light back up. You know, he's he's starting back up everything. And um, so they have a, a fight. And the only thing that I didn't understand is how did, because there was no show of this before, unless, you know, it got edited out. But um, Rose, the hat had, had like, was super strong. And um, they didn't really explain that, you know, physically super strong. It wasn't a psychic duel. It was actually physically, she was like beating uh, Danny's butt. So anyway, she's like trying to probe him and, and get into his mind and poke around, and then she comes across these boxes, and these boxes are all the, the creatures from the the shining that Danny has had to deal with and lock them away, you know, to to contain them. And she thinks oh these are great memories blah 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 and she she thought they were horrible memories but they're actually creatures and and he like he's like no you know they've been waiting they're hungry they've been locked away and he opens the 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 door right and the, all the creatures from the shining reappear and essentially tears her apart but in in the process of okay killing um Rose the hat, he becomes possessed like his father, Jack. So he's running and trying to chase after Abra or, or Ebra. It's Ebra or Abra. I can't remember exactly. Um, and they have a final confrontation where she re- reveals that, you know, when uh, Danny first got there, the first thing he did was he went to the boiler room and then. In that process, Danny kind of was able to take over, you know, kind of regain his powers, which allowed her to, to run out of the hotel. The 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 possessed spirit took back over, and Danny went back down to the boiler room, and th- as he got back down to the boiler room, you realize that it's it's over. He, you know, it's it's about to blow. And then the possession leaves Danny and You know, he just kind of kneels down and and just waits for it to blow up. And as the hotel is blowing up, it cuts back outside to Abra, and you see that the police and first response are coming. So uh, Danny had, you know, kind of preempted a call to first response, expecting all this to happen. And then in the final scene, you see it where Danny is in Abra's room, and they're just chit-chatting, and then... The mother, um, Ebra's mother comes and says, oh, it's time for dinner, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, who are you talking to? And at first, Ebra was like, nobody. But then she's like, I'm talking to Danny. He's okay. And daddy's okay too. And that's how it ends. It was, it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And like, you know, Knives Out, when it comes out on Blu-ray, I will be picking up uh, Dr. Sleep. For my own private collection. It was just, it was a fantastic movie. It really was. Um, we'll see, because I'm now looking at we're at the 25 minute mark, and I don't know if we're gonna be able to go through the regular routine because I also wanted to talk about PCE for a minute. And this is a little bit on a serious note with PCE because you know I've been working on it since February of last year and it's coming together it's coming together nicely but my biggest issue is vendors and i'm i'm having a hard time finding vendors i it's in fact this week i have literally sent out 100 emails to potential vendors and i have not heard back from a single person and it it's very frustrating so i am going to reach out to you the listeners and if you know anybody that is in the high desert area, you know, if you by chance are a resident of the high desert and that is, you know, Hesperia, Victorville, Apple Valley, Phelan, Oak Hills, Barstow, Lancaster, Hellendale. You know, it's it's a big bunch of people. If you know anybody that will would be interested in participating as a vendor for PCE have them contact me. You can have them contact me at P as in Peter, C as in Cat, E as in Expo, at jzomon J A Y Z O M O N dot com. And we'll set something up. It's a hundred bucks. Well, it's like a hundred and I believe, because you know, I have to charge sales tax, which is like seven point seven four. Oh, I think it's seven point seven five. Yeah. So it's like, it's $7.75 roughly for sales tax. So $107.75 for a table. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I don't like saying this, but it's, it's kind of crucial to the whole thing. I cannot hold an expo without vendors. I just cannot do it. You know, yes, we we have plenty of of celebrities. In fact, we are working on a new celebrity right now um, that it may be interested in coming. The celebrity part is not the problem; it is people that want. You know, if you have something that you want to sell that fits in nerd culture, let me know. You can also go to Jay J A Y Z O M O N S popcultureexpo.com and the whole the whole shebang is up on the website. And I want to, I mean, come on, guys. I've really, really, really worked hard on this. And it's, I'm, I try not to get frustrated, but it, it does frustrate me because, yes, I understand I'm a newbie. Yes, I understand, you know, I, I'm not big in, in the, the social scene of, you know, the local politics and all that good jazz. I get that, but I'm trying to do something for the community. I'm not trying to become rich. I'm not trying to become famous. I'm not trying to do anything other than put an event together for the community, because there's never been a pop culture expo slash comic con slash autograph show ever ever in the history of this community. And I know, you know, we always tease back in the nineties that comic fans or nerds were kind of like crackheads, you know, you know, they're out there, but you just, you got to keep quiet about it. You know, that's the way it is. I know that you guys are out there and there's an opportunity. Yes, it's 100 bucks. But you know what? If you go to Ontario and do their Comic-Con Revolution, what are you going to drop? 300 bucks? If you go to San Diego Comic-Con, what are you going to drop? 500 bucks? I'm asking for 100 bucks, and that's legitimately so I can cover the space. I'm not making no profit off of the vendors. Zero, zilch, nada. So, if you know an artist that wants a table to sell their art or crafts or anything that can be sold and it's, it's within, you know, the the pop culture expo, pce at jazelmon.com. Attention, David K. Montoya. And let's get this thing going because I, I, I don't want to cancel it just because people are not wanting to spend a hundred bucks to make. A lot more because I have right now, as of planned, I have 2,000 tickets planned to be sold. Okay. So that's a potential of 2,000 people to buy your stuff. You know, I mean, that's that. Think about that. That's something. Okay. We are now at the 30 minute mark, and I am going to try to go through what we have here as far as. Content. Um, let's see. I'm just waiting for this bad boy to load up. And of course, you know, now that I'm I'm waiting, it's gonna run really, really slow. Gotta love this. I just <laughs> I'm being impatient. I want to get this loaded and get into the good stuff. So, what do you guys think about Disney and their their live-action films. I, I personally think, for the most part, they are on a serious roll. Um, I really dug Beauty and the Beast. I will be honest, I didn't really care that much for the Aladdin. I did dig the, um, the Lion King. I know a lot of people had issues with Lion King, but I really dug it. And it appears that... They're going to do it again. They've, they've got plans for another live-action film, and it's Mulan. And I remember uh, Zoe, my, my youngest, she was – oh, goodness, how old was she? She was fairly young when we got the, the Mulan movie, and she, she dug it because, of course, it was a little girl who went on to pretend to be a man who was a soldier and she saved the day it was just really empowering for a little girl so now they are going to do it again live action style and the t- name of this title is Disney's live action Mulan fights for her family's honor in new trailer and you know I'm in dude I am I'm I'm completely in I am looking forward to to seeing this but let's take a peek at what the 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 article says okay here we go <clears throat> mulan will bring honor to her family just not the way they intended the latest trailer for disney's upcoming live action adaptation the title character disguises herself as a man and joins the army to spear her ally ailing father sorry can't read this launches an adventure that will turn her into a legendary warrior. And, and again, you know, that's, that's pretty much the actual story of Mulan. And it says, according to the official film, synopsis, when the emperor of China issues a decree that every man per family must serve in the imperial army to defend the country from northern invaders, Ha Mulan, the eldest daughter of the honored warrior, steps in to take the place of her ailing father, masquerading as a man. Ha John, she is tested every step of the way and must harness her inner strength and embrace her true potential. It is an epic journey that will transform her in into an honored warrior, and earn her the respect of the grateful nation and her father. Very cool. Mulan is the latest in the stream of live-action remakes from Disney. Other classic animated films received the treatment include Lion King, Dumbo. I have not seen Dumbo. I, I will have to go watch Dumbo. That's right. I actually own that movie. And I have not watched it. I don't know why. Uh, Aladdin, like we said, and Beauty and the Beast. And it is slated to hit the theaters March 27th, 2020. And I will be there. Uh, there's, you know, no ifs, ends, or buts on that one, kids. I, I plan on being there. And my girl, I don't know if the girls will go see it. but I, I mean, I know that they enjoyed the cart. Well, I don't. Yeah, I think Lily, Lily might be well. Lily's four, so she might be too young. But maybe Zoe. Okay, we are continuing to move right along. And we, as we are at the thirty-six minute, thirty-six some change minute. Um. Okay. So we're jumping to TV storylines, and it's the Flash negative Flash storyline hits at the worst possible time. Now I admit totally that i am so far behind on the flash it is disgusting but i do consider myself still a fan of the show okay just throwing that out there also the obligatory warning this article contains major spoilers for season six of the flash okay here we go on season six of the flash barely barry allen and his team have been dealing with two very different kinds of threats on one hand Ramsey Ros- Rosso has been his half-season main villain as he rapidly involved into Bloodwork, a new villain whose full power has yet to be revealed. On the other hand, the series is dealing with the looming threat of crisis, inf- crisis on Infinite Earth, a catastrophic event where Barry is destined to sacrifice himself to save the multiverse. Nice. As a team of, as a team Flash has been trying to contain and defeat the rising villainy of Bloodwork they were also attempting to prepare for a life without Barry now the oncoming crisis is nearly here but before Barry can deal with that he finds himself taken over by Bloodwork the transformed into negative Flash. While Flash transformation has all the markings of a fantastic story, the timing of the zaps any dramatic tension it could be had. Oh, okay, sorry, gang. I thought this was like, you know, what a horrible time for, you know, to, to put out, you know, this amongst everything. They're actually talking, they're, they're saying that it was just, it shouldn't have been added in. This is an opinion, so uh, my apologies. I, 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 again, I don't know. I haven't watched season six, so I can't interject any thoughts into it. But I, I thought it was like you know, oh, what a horrible night to have a curse. You know, kind of Castlevania two-ish kind of thing. But no, this is an opinion. Okay, uh, let's see if there's anything really worth going through this opinion. Uh see at the end of Last Temptation of Barry Allen part 1 Barry fell victim to Bloodwork's power and was taken over by the supervillain with Ramsey's dark blood injecting him okay are infecting him sorry the superhero transformed into Negula Flash with his t- hands teeth logo and lightning had been taken over by Black now obey Bloodwork's commands okay While the CW series offers a new spin on Barry's negative transformation that differed from the comics that inspired it, the result was relatively the same. Negative flash arrived, which promised a compelling turn in the series. Overall story that could have easily taken multiple episodes to resolve. Unfortunately, the impending crisis on Infinite Earth, which is set to kick off Sunday, December 8th, essentially removed all tension from Barry's transformation. Okay. Photos and trailers have been building up hype for the crossover for weeks, and they all show that Barry is no longer in his negative Flash state. Mm. Yeah, that's true, huh? For the event of this magnitude, the Flash was always going to appear in his most horrific horror... Yeah, yeah. form and is certainly is what makes the transformation into negative flash ill-timed what could have been a shocking fall for Barry turned into a little more than a brief detour considering he was always going to be back to his usual self in Crisis in Infinite Earth yeah that's true Okay, uh, I say that's true because you use logic you know yeah, they they could they actually probably could have turned that into a whole another season, but I know they're getting ready to write out Barry Allen, so Negative Flash storyline would have benefited from a much longer arc, yeah, I just said that, uh, on television show, whether it happened earlier in its run or even later in crisis, or after crisis, assuming that Barry somehow survives the cosmic event. If The Flash can slow down long enough, Negative Flash can still be an exciting story that deserves to be told in full. Airing Tuesday at 8 p.m. on The CW, Flash stars Grant Gustin, Candice Patton, Carlos Valdez, Danielle Panabaker, Jesse L. Martin, and Hartley Stewart or Saur. Yeah, that person. Okay, well I I now again I haven't I'm behind, but I am going to watch the Crisis on Infinite Earth. Um just because of how much they've been pushing it so hard. Um, I think, I think that will be, it'll be fun to watch and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, because I, I'm trying to think of something on the epi- epic of a scale and I really can't think of anything. So, okay. All right, let's go jump over to the X-Men. Um, now I haven't had an opportunity to read X-Men number three, so let's be spoiled together. Um. I Actually, I was considering not reading this because I have not read issue number three, but, you know, you guys come first. And over in the actual comic book news, it says, X-Men reveals the deadly secret that fuels Kakoa. Ooh, what fuels Kakoa? The souls of innocent children. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if that was dark. I'm sorry. Okay. Again, uh, your obligatory warning: warning. The following contains spoilers. For episode number three, written by Jonathan Eisen, Francis Hugh, Gary Algongan, Sunny Go Rain, Something VC Clayton, Cows, and Tom Mueller on sale now. Yes, I, I just, yeah, you get it. If you listen to me, it. What are we at? 24 now. Uh, episode 24, Season 3, Episode 24. So you you get my humor. I hope you do. If you're brand new to the show, hi, I'm Dave. Okay, and it says, Early this year, Kokoa went from being the historical footnote to the literal center of the X-Men's world within a few weeks. Even though the Living Island inspired the formation of two X-Men teams, It only made sporadic appearances until the House of X, in that era-launching event. Charles Xavier, Morin McTaggart, and Magneto turned Kokoa into an independent nation that's home to the X-Men and the rest of the mutant Marvel mutants. Throughout all of this, Kokoa has flourished like never before, even producing designing pharmaceuticals and creating portals that can span the universe ok however things are going too well in Kokoa at the moment while the X-Men are still reeling from the loss of Xavier again he's gone again sorry I didn't realize that ok this is like what the 8th time Uh, I say that solely as an X-Men fan, by the way. Kokoa's ecosystem is severely disrupted by Horde culture, a small band of eco-terrorists, and X-Men number three. As a text text data page simply puts, Kokoa is screaming. The data page also reveals that all of Kokoa's current achievements come to a steep price to contain itself, cocoa must consume two mutants a year. Oh, I was just joking, but okay. Um must consume two mutants a year or take other forms of mutant energy through a more suitable workaround. While these details might seem moderately horrifying, it's heartburn. it harkens back to one of the X-Men's most important tells. Yeah, uh, X-Men number 1. When or uh, giant size number one, when Cocoa was introduced in Lin, in Lynn Wynn and Dave Cochran's Giant Size X-Men number one, the Living Mutant Island was defined by its hunger. When the original X-Men traveled to the island, it captured all of them and began feeding on them, their various energies. By the end of the issue, the original X-Men and new recruits like Wolverine Storm Nightcrawler successfully defeated Kokoa and sent it into space. While Kokoa was apparently in a smaller winter version then, the island has blossomed and grown since Xavier and the new mutants Doug Ramsey established a way to communicate with it. Since Kokoa became home based For the ever-growing number of Marvel mutants, the island can sustain itself by taking a minimal, theatrical, harmless amount of psychic energy from every mutant on its shore. Okay, there we go. As this issue reveals, the process is tightly monitored by two other mutant energy vampires, Selene and m Those two ex-villains are sustained through their similar process, and... The shared pool of resources probably keep one of the characters from going on a mutant feeding frenzy. Even with the safeguards in place, there are still several questions about the current nature of Kokoa's relationship to the mutants who live on it. After breaking one of Kokoa's newly established laws, Sabretooth was effectively consumed by the island as punishment for his crimes. The quiet council that rules Kokoa exiled Sabretooth, sending him to a shrunken place deep in the island. Supposedly, Sabretooth would be, be alive and aware, but immobile and trapped in a preemptive state. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. Okay. While Marvel may already be teasing Sabretooth's return to a more active role, the participation punishment or the particular, good grief, the particular punishment seems designed to give Kokoa a potential feeding source who wouldn't be missed on the island. Although there is no indication that Sabretooth is being fed on, the arrangement still implies fate by a uh, effectively putting a piece of candy in Kokoa's mouth and asking the island not to bite down on it. More pressing note, the current disturbance in Kokoa's ecosystem has already started to take toll on the island's residents. Beyond some unusual aggressive wild side and a Decrease in landmass. Jean Grey, Emma Frost, and the other telepaths on the island have already noticed that Kokoa is taking more psychic energy than normal. While Cyclops and, and a small covert, covert action team are already dealing with the Horde culture, this is still a relatively small disturbance. Shows in the grand scheme of Kokoa, while this particular incident has only really given headaches to some telepaths for a moment it highlights just how fragile the Kokoan ecosystem really is and is set for an enormous precedent for what other disturbance might cause in the future yeah yeah that sounds good though i i, I look forward to reading it it's um i i yeah i mean i it's it, it almost like harken back to the days when they they had their, their special um base when they were hiding out back in the 80s in, in uh Australia. That's what it makes me think of. Um okay, gang. So we are here at the end of the day and uh I was going to read a thing about Harley Quinn and uh the new cartoon but I decided to skip it because like I said we are here we're almost at the 50 minute mark and it is time for the toy of the week and boy let me tell you I I I was very happy when I I came across this because I've become a fan I'm in fact, I'm watching. I know that in the next two and a half hours, a brand new episode, episode number five of The Mandalorian, is coming out, and I cannot wait to see it. And I probably will watch it before I go to bed. So, with that in mind, I bring to you Toy of the Month this month, or Toy of the Week rather, is The Mandalorian the Child, an 11 inch plush. That's right, gang, Baby Yoda plush absolutely and i was very happy to read it let's see if i can find a product description it says no pictures shown are illustrated purposes only the actual product may vary slightly okay so there you go it's it's just a digital image so it it, i'm kind of curious i'm still in regardless or not Okay, it says, from Disney Plus series, the Mandalorian fully embraces the cuteness of the 50-year-old Yoda species with this adorable 11-inch plush toy. He may look like a baby Yoda, but the lovable creature is referred to as the child. Product features 11-inch, 28-centimeter, soft-body, roto-vinyl head. Inspired by Disney Plus's series, the Mandalorian's sturdy base filled with beans. Interesting. Sparkling glass eyes. Comes in a special one tray that looks like the crib from the show. Oh, that's cool. Box contains the the child plush. And let's see. Do, 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 do. This is for pre-order at the com, And amazingly, folks... It's only $26.99. I have pre-ordered, and it's estimated to arrive March 2020. And, yeah, I'm in. (laughs) There's no question about that. I'm totally in. I I really enjoy the, the series. So, all right, gang. I thank you for coming in. I thank you for putting up with all the background noise, because I'm sure that you can probably hear the kids yapping and screaming and hollering and having a good time back there. As we went through nerd universe and nerd news and just had a really good time, I think. And you got to listen to my thoughts on the movies. So, for this week, for my public life as an American nerd, I am your host, David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu.